One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, all right, all right. that's enough. I don't know why we go to eleven. It's just fun. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, got to well, turn that up to eleven. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. The intro song. We're singing along, drinking beer, and talking about politics. Uh, Henry and Hops. Politics and beer. Adventures and thoughts for your ear holes to hear. So let's have a brew, maybe just three or two, perchance discover new shit that we never knew. So come along. That's the end of our song. Yeah. Oh. That actually is the end of. That's it. We just talk culture and shit. All right. Well, we're back. Welcome back to Henry Hops. It's good to be with you. Let's rank it up. Where do we start? Or do you have anything to uh, kick well, us off with? No, no, not in particular. Um, we're just going to go through uh, our best of the decade. We decided to do best five instead of best ten because um, it just seemed like there was less stuff to cover that way and we could cover more genres of things. So, I would have uh, killed you if he's... you had said best ten, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, ten would have been hard. Ten is very hard. Five is hard enough. Uh, it, three would have been easier, but no. you know, we gotta Five's give you some harder, content. But yeah. yeah. All right, so we're gonna start with yeah. best beers. So these are the top five best beers we had in the last decade. And so I thought maybe we'd go like five, five, four, four. You know. Wait, start at the start at the top one or the fifth? Best? No, start at the bottom, the lowest, the lowest of the top five. Oh, fuck. And and we each share ours, and then we move our way up. You know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, sure. I get it. Maybe it's a, it's a. I have a couple that are tied. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I I would like to give some nominees for breweries before we get started that I couldn't include, which are uh, Haw River, Fagley, Steel String, Pontoon, Knee Deep, Wicked Weed, Funkatorium, Burial, and Six Point. Mm. All all I felt like made good stuff that I liked in the last decade, but just none that really broke into these top five. Mm. I love that, actually. Yeah, maybe that's what I was trying to do on my thing. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, okay. What's your number five? My number five is Untitled Arts Tangerine Milkshake IPA. Um, nice. Now, this might be a recency bias thing, although none of my other picks are, for the record. But I did have to, because I had this one in the last year. I've gotten more Untitled Art recently. I made you try some, actually. With, you got that oat cream and then some other ones. Uh and I feel like of all the milkshake IPAs I've had over the last few years, which have been a lot, this one was the best. It's the cleanest. It, it has the right amount of like citrus fruit without it being overwhelmingly sweet. Uh, and you still get a lot of that hot flavor in there. It feels real and authentic with the lactose. There's not like a bunch of flour thrown in at the last minute. And it just feels clean and great. If you want a milkshake IPA, I suggest any of the Untitled Arts, but that one in particular, if you can find it. Damn. Yeah, it's a great brewery. That's awesome. All right, you're number five. Okay, so my number five is um, admittedly a little ambiguous, but so Alvarado Street Brewing in Salinas and Monterey, California. They make some of the best hazy double IPAs. And I'll be, they like do, every, all their beers are kind of like roughly the same in a good way. So what I wrote was Hazy Double IPA from Alvarado Street because that basically covers all of the beers they release and they're never releasing the same beer, but they're largely the same beer. Do you know what I mean? Different name. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Different name, same taste. We kind of like Lagunitas. Different hop profiles, probably a little bit, but same. A thing. little bit, but also same like, um, you know, malt bill where it's like flaked oats and um, a little bit of wheat, right? So it does definitely gets a hazy from that. So like that's just Alvarado Street, like hazy double IPAs. Um, I guess actually, if I had to say one, it would be um, Contains No Juice is the name of it. So good. Cool. Love it. I, yeah. I don't know That's if I've ever... Did I have any of their beers when I was there? I don't know. Uh, maybe. It's possible. I feel like I, I don't know if I've ever had a beer from El Dorado. So that'll have to be something next time we're there. They're uh, definitely one of the best. And super good. All right, my number four, which is kind of a, a cop-out, because I, I picked Anderson Valley Blood Orange Ghosts. Now, I picked this for a few reasons. First of all, I have declared, I think, twice on this podcast that the Anderson Valley Ghost series was my favorite uh beer of the year so i it needs recognition it was kind of the beer that got me into the whole sour style in a real way because i was into sours before that i liked sour taste but i didn't drink them all the time and then after that series it was like those ghosts took over and i think the blood orange was the best of the ones that they made mm-hmm. um and they're all really good none of i to be fair, I think that there may be other ghosts I've had one or two times that might be better, but there's something about that that's just like I can rely on, and it means so much to me that I put it as number four, even if, like I said, there might be better ones out there. Hmm. No, that sounds What good. is your number four? Sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, my number... Well, you're not going to like this. My number four is Pliny the Younger. Ooh. I was I was worried one of us is gonna go Pliny uh, just to put it on there, but I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad somebody did because I didn't put any Plinys. I'll say that. Yeah, just the younger though. Um, Pliny the Elder is is a great beer, but it's maybe it should have been on the list. But like that's a beer that I can get anytime, anywhere, and I kind of do associate like what I consider my favorite beers with exclusivity, which is fucked up. But I think whatever that's how I've been trained to think about it, right? By, by the breweries, like. I can I can't get it, so I love it. So, Pliny the Younger only comes out in December, and it is super exclusive, and it's a triple IPA, and it's the big you know the big brother of Pliny the Elder, and it's so good. But it also is just like completely overrated, but amazing at the same time. So it, it holds this weird space. And anyhow, yeah, I mean four. it is one of the most for a time. It was I think the most sought after beer in America. I don't know if that's true anymore. Yeah, prop maybe, and it's like super highly rated. It's great, but I, I generally find it a little too like. Um, well, no, actually, I love it. It's nothing. It's not too anything. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> it's on their top five of the decade. It better be freaking amazing. Yeah, it's number four. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we don't need to justify it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, my number three. Yeah, and this is an interesting one because I, I struggled. I will. I'll be honest. I struggled with everything kind of below these top two because for me these top two are like the best I've had in that style and they were important but this number three I picked Dogfish Head 120 Minute Oof. and I'm going to tell you why Good one. Uh, because it is the only beer above 15% that I've ever found really drinkable and that's a weird thing to say but it is like the version of the triple IPA style or like the really ridiculously hoppy beer that I'm always searching for and I know that like it's kind of overdone at this point and everyone's probably had 120 minutes not like Pliny or Hetty Topper where like there's some exclusivity to it anymore but 
it is so good still when I've been able to get it and it just it it opened my mind to what was possible for beer mm. in the same way that other beers like Omegong Three Philosophers did in the decade before. So I feel like in my mind it still holds a, a, a an important place and there really I as far as I know there's like nothing like it. There's no IPAs that are quite that insane that I've had that are good. So mm. um okay. okay number three. So. I don't know. I kind of want to rearrange this a little bit, but I did a little bit of a punt and did Moonraker, basically a double hazy double from Moonraker, and that's actually what I, you know, was drinking earlier, the Atomic Betty. So mm-hmm. I'll kind of call that as representative. So it's like a perfectly hazy double IPA from Moonraker. I they're they're my current favorite brewery, but I also want to like give space on the list, you know, for breweries that I didn't. I only got to know these guys, you know, in the last couple of years. So earlier on, you know, it was a whole different world. So more to come on, you know, more mainstays. But um, I, I do yeah, think that I, I had some Moonraker when on your uh, Dachler party, mm-hmm. uh, and it was fantastic. I mean, it, it really is like a perfect example of all those styles. I couldn't identify a single beer that I had because they all kind of blended yeah. together in my mind, but fantastic. Yeah, like literally, I think that's why my 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 beer list is hazy double IPA from Moonraker. So, <laughs> all right, all right, my number two, which is like a beer that I go. drink all the time, it is probably I, I I it might be one of the beers I've drunk most in the last decade. It is a Founders Breakfast Stout, and it oh, is the wow. only stout I really drink on a regular basis. Um. To me, this is the best stout ever. Now, I've had other stouts. Like, I've had, for example, Dogfish Head Worldwide Stout on the extreme alcohol spectrum. We've had... I remember we started with, like, Rasputin and stuff. You know, like, all the kind of classical stout styles. And then I've had, like, the Bourbon Barrel series, which I'm I'm not a huge fan of Bourbon Barrel anything to do with beer, to be honest. I love bourbon, but there's something to do with, like, that combination of the stout and the bourbon that just... I feel like it gives me a headache at a certain point. But anyway... (laughs) Uh, this stout is so good and creamy and like everything I've ever wanted from a stout in terms of the body and the taste and it is yes it's double chocolate oatmeal cream uh, what's the other one what is it maybe coffee. coffee anyway it's like a perfect uh, encapsulation of everything a stout can do in terms of like the creamy mouth feel and then that like rich boldness that like makes you feel all warm on the inside and there are other variations of Founders Breakfast Stout that arguably might be better. Like they do a bourbon barrel one that's very good too, and I think a coffee one or whatever. But but I for me, like the Breakfast Stout, the original, just is like the go-to for that style. It's the beer that made me love stouts beyond Guinness mm. and like the low-level stouts. So. Yeah, it's like I'm honestly stalling it because my headphones are dying and also because I have two number twos. <laughs> Um, is that allowed? Can I tell you? Yeah, of course. It's kind of like... Okay, ready? So here it is. Here's what it is. So it's Heady Topper, which I was currently drinking previously, and Lagunitas Born Yesterday. Wow. They're tied. Wow. I, I, the Heady Topper I expected to make the list because I felt like that... I honestly thought Pliny might not make the list for you and Heady Topper would make the list and it would have been like... That was the big switch, maybe, of the last few years. Yeah. Um, but 
I am shocked to hear that Lagunitas is still on the list. Not that that's not an amazing beer, no. but I well, we haven't talked about it in a while. I mean, born yesterday when it's fresh and um, really thinking about my whole decade. That's what I. That, that's the lens that I try to uh, give to this whole conversation. Was like, what what have I loved over the last ten years? And uh, born yesterday was like my holy grail like when that would come i would buy a case from the fucking beer store right and i would just have like the freshest beer it was perfect that beer is that that actually might be my number one okay <laughs> done <laughs> sorry no it's, it it's great yeah. I mean, you're gonna have to share what your number one formally was but i i do think it is like really an amazing beer and yeah. uh, and i see why you put those two together because they don't both have that Hoppy freshness, although one is like it's different how they're made. Yeah, and an opposite coast, and I think like honestly, if those are the only two IPAs that one person could ever drink at peak freshness, then you, that would be all you would need if you could get a fresh. But anyhow, absolutely. Yeah. All right, uh, I want to see if you can guess what my number one is based on what the other ones were and what isn't on here yet. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. I Fagos oh. did not make the list. No, that was it was something I considered, but that's where the 120 kind of came in. Yeah, this yeah, is a beer so. that I had for the first time right after your wedding. And um it was when I was touring wine country and I went to Russian River for the first time. Yeah. Uh and it is the Consecration, which is really oh. I would just cite all of the Shin beers. Uh and it is a sour dark ale aged in Cabernet barrels with currants. And I say this because this is the beer that made me, like, it was the promise of everything that Omagong told me beer could be back in, like, the, when I decided I was going to drink beer instead of wine, basically, as a connoisseur. Uh, And, And, yeah, yeah, this was like beer being able to do wine 100%, and it's better than wine, I think. And all of those beers, the beatification, compunction, supplication, all of the ones that Russian River has done in barrels are the best ones I've had now that being said I did consider there was a reality where my top five beers of the decade were all just those kind of beers because there are other examples from like steel string makes an amazing barrel aged sour beer Uh, like all the wine barrel aged sour beers to me are like if I could that's what I would drink all the time right now but that one to me was like that was the introduction of the idea that they could do it that that well and i still think that's probably the best red wine variation i've had so number one consecration damn okay so real quick my last um like kind of the one og thing i was gonna not og sorry but the um the favorite beer that i was gonna say before that i realized i had already named it which was moonraker was Great Notion. It's a brewery in Portland, Oregon. It is the fucking best. It's so good. And they have this beer, this IPA called, like, it's like Juicy, I think, or um, Juice or something like that. And um, it's representative of, it's like hazy, but not too hazy. And it's freaking perfect. And I got, I was lucky enough to drink it at the brewery when we were all visiting. So Sarah and Hazy and I were at the brew pub and, um, it was great so anyhow that's my top that was actually my top original top number one Uh, so so your top three outside of born yesterday which may become the number one now were originally all hazies 
Yeah. That's I, I'm not surprised, but I also think that's like very defining of how the decade turned out. Because I don't know, if, were any of those in your purview like five years ago? No, that's the issue. It's like everything's gotten better. Every year, beer has gotten a little bit better. <laughs> I, I, firm, I can't argue with that. Yeah, it's, I firmly it's agree with that. So like the beers that, yeah, so like it, it's, it's going to seem skewed, right? Is that... And that's why, actually, in a weird way, um, Hetty Topper is like kind of a holdover, right? Because that's from well, I think 2012 all, or something. I think all of those are good recommendations. And for the most part, I you can get some of those beers. Like the one, Moonraker and Great Divide might, and Alchemist are probably the three hard ones, right? But I think all these other beers are like somewhat accessible. Uh, yeah. So yeah. go out and try them. Yeah. Find, find a bottle. Like... Because you, you yeah. might might change your mind oh, about man. beer, too. Beer is good, dude. It's so nice. Yeah. Beer, I, beer is been, great. All right, yeah. let's get into some other. We, this stuff we don't have to cover quite so much, but let's do best TV shows next. All right. Yep, so these are the list. best TV shows of the decade. You know, can I list off again some horrible, some honorable mentions? Is that okay? Yeah, can we just say that this whole thing is like completely like impossible, right, to do actually? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, and and it's all very subjective. Like, we're not trying to name the best TV shows no, it's our favorite. in terms of like critical value. These are the ones that we liked and and had an effect on us. Like, I don't think Consecration is ne- necessarily the best beer ever made, but it's the best beer for me that I had in the last decade. All right, I'm just saying because like, yeah, I don't think my choices are very good and probably <laughs> suffer from um, a recency bias hardcore, but that's okay. So. I'm, gonna well, I'm interested to hear what they are. All right. Well, I'm going to give my honorable mentions first. Some of them might be on your list, but we'll, we'll right. see. The, the honorable mentions on my list are Atlanta, Sherlock, Doctor Who, Always Sunny, Archer, The Office, Fleabag, Rick and Morty, The Good Place, and Black Mirror. Those are your, those are your uh, honorable mentions? Yeah. Those are all ones I considered putting on this list. They all like didn't quite make it for other reasons, but those are all ones I loved and just didn't make it. I, okay. I may have done this for each of the things except for concerts, so just bear All right, with cool. me when I start cool. rattling off lists. Well, hold on. Um, so, uh, so what is your number five? Let's start with you this okay. time. Okay. Best TV shows, number five. I really hate starting from the back because I actually, can I throw in my um, uh, audible mentions first, actually? I do have a list of as course. well. Of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, wait. Some of these are yours. Um let me preface by saying that, like, I don't really know. These might actually, like, as the dust settles, these might actually end up in my um, top five. So just take it for what it is. But my current um, honorable mentions are Veep, Master of None, Broad City, and Schitt's Creek. And then some good ones. Starting at yeah. number, starting at number five. My number five is BoJack Horseman. Ooh, Bard College pick. Yeah, and I mean, we I only recently came to that show, and it's like, and again, like, recency bias, but fuck, it's kind of, it's kind of insane, it's kind of insanely amazing, it's a perfect show, right? Like, it's great. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, that is one I have not watched all the way. I watched the first season, I liked it, but I found it very sad, and at the time, I couldn't deal with it, and then I never returned to it. And, uh, and I keep like meaning to watch it and it's just something that keeps falling to the back of a list. So the fact that you put it on top five has made me possibly reconsider it. Well, like, I think if I had watched it in 2011, it certainly wouldn't be on this list. I watched it literally like two weeks ago, you know? So, I mean, whatever, <laughs> right? Like, I'm just going to wear that on my sleeve. But 
It's an incredible show. It's pretty much incredible. All right, what do you got? And it's a good pick. Uh, My number five is Game of Thrones. Oh, Uh, nice. Despite the terrible ending. Um, you know, I, I, I think honestly, if they had stuck the landing on this one, this would be my number one in some ways. Like I think Game of Thrones changed the TV landscape and made TV closer to film. Cause I felt like before this, they could do the serious drama of film, but outside of band of brothers, there wasn't really like the epic blockbuster quality that they had thrown in, in a TV show. And to pull that off, they allowed tv to become something like that which now i feel like with all these streaming services that's all it is yeah but i think game of thrones really like started that trend to throw that kind of movie budgets behind seasons of a tv show and uh and for the first five seasons it was great it has a horrible ending but those, those good episodes are still amazing in my mind i'm glad you have it on your list i don't have it on mine i i enjoyed it but i Figured it was on enough lists I didn't need to worry about it for me, so good. <laughs> All right, number four. Number four, I have Watchmen. No, Watchmen. Ooh, ooh, and that one didn't make my honorable mentions, but maybe it should be. It's only yeah. one season, which is probably why I didn't consider it. Very yeah, and again, that's recently biased, recency biased, but man, that's a fucking show. Such, yeah, and that I really is like a perfect show to be. Yeah, and I guess for me, like, I don't really... Um, watch a lot of like superhero shows at all and just the way it was and like oh my god like it was just so perfect because it also was built in like a freaking crime drama right like and superheroes like the same and well it it is kind of based in the original Watchmen sort of of course but like Uh, way better you know they just did it but they well they modernized the themes to fit what's going on right now as opposed to what was going on in the 80s Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, anyhow, yeah, I, that great. show was incredible. Yeah, so that was my number whatever four. Well, my number four is also kind of a recency bias pick. Uh, it is Attack on Titan, which is not over, and I only started watching six months ago or something. You know, I don't less. know that show. Uh, it's an anime show. That's why you don't know it. Oh, uh, well. And it is the biggest. It's actually the biggest show in the United States right now. Uh, <laughs> what for, in terms of viewership? But uh, it is a uh, for, it redefines anime, and I actually really just wanted to pick an anime series because for me, anime got back into my life in the last five years in a way mm-hmm. that it hasn't been since I was a little kid, and it's because of shows. I think it's because of Attack on Titan and shows like it, like Promised Neverland, Demon Slayer, Made in Abyss. There's kind of in the same way Game of Thrones was a game changer in terms of the budget and the detail that's spent on these storylines of these shows. Uh, they they really changed how they did anime and it also feels more serialized whereas Mm -hmm. like anime used to be serialized but it was serialized in a way like dragon ball z where like it was built to an infinite degree where there would always be a bigger monster and a bigger guy etc there was no end point really and this one has a very clear end point and being able to tell a cohesive story which is part of manga these days and maybe manga over the last 30 years has really made a big change but I think this show changed anime and uh, mm. so it's not over yet but I love all of that awesome uh, you're number three number three The Good Place ooh yeah that was on my honorable mentions that's a great show yeah I think I mean super relative and yeah again I saw that more recently but that show it just like it's an 
it's hard. There's a category of show that you have in your life where you can kind of like sit sit down on the couch and like hunker down and watch and just kind of feel comforted by. But at the same time, this show, while giving you that option, also like made you challenge like all of your morals and like actually think through a lot of pretty like complicated like more mor- morality situations. So that show, man, really good. Yeah. Uh, it's a significant part of my decade. So yeah. And it's very well Number researched three. in terms of the philosophy. It's not like yeah. they're just like throwing things out there. Like it's really well thought out. That's what Stuart was saying actually that they had a lot of like literal philosophers on staff. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's really interesting the way they yeah. approached that. The only reason I didn't, well, I'll, I'll get to that later, but there, there's there's a slight reason why I didn't put it on. Anyway, um, my number three is a show that I don't even know if you saw, which is uh, Nathan for You. Yes. Which, <laughs> uh, and the reason I put this on there is like, this to me is the, first of all, it's the only reality show on my list, which is like a big part of what the last decade was. But it's also like, it's the best version to me of like what Borat is and what at its core like kind of like Jackass and Tom Green are and stuff like this kind of the prankster aspect of uh, reality TV and and the way that he goes about approaching people he and, and especially like how the show evolves in the last season with him taking on this Bill Gates impersonator and like trying to live out his dream and stuff it like it's just evolves in such an interesting artistic way where he takes such challenges I don't think there's ever been a show like it. And I, I really am, am so impressed by the things he was able to pull off, uh, both on a literal level, like with dumb Starbucks and stuff, but like also just in terms of the artistic value of the show. Yeah, dude. Uh, as it no, I'm, I mean, that's a show that I've always wanted to like watch more of. I yeah. love that show. Yeah, well, that one, and, and when you said review, that was like something I, I think of those two hand in hand because I think they played back to back for a while. So. Yeah. That was like a really good hour on Comedy Central for Hot. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Number two. Fleabag. Yeah. Ooh, you know. Another honorable mention one. It, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. That that was on my, um, we literally just finished the last episode two nights ago. So. Wow. That, yeah. That's like real recency bias. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I'm going to stay behind it because that fucking show. Fuck. It's amazing. Show. I mean, it does things that other that no other show has done. I don't know if a show with the meta commentary has ever made another character cognizant of the commentary, except maybe maybe animated shows. But like, I've never seen anything like that. The way that they incorporate the right, device. where someone else is um, like, "Wait, so what are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. And the only reason that didn't make my list actually is just because it's twelve episodes, basically. So it's like it's hard oh, yeah. for me to quantify well, something I watched way less that short video. against. You know longer series like Attack on Titan Game of Thrones that kind of stuff like yeah I feel like it's it's much easier to nail two show two seasons down although it's really hard to do it right from the get-go like she did like whereas like it feels like its own thing right away it might be the most two perfect seasons of television ever yeah Yeah, fuck absolutely I mean also and that's the thing like in in the long run something like Atlanta or Fleabag if they made more of it which I don't think they will but like those shows might end up being some of my favorite shows of this decade in retrospect because they're not over yep and Attack on Titan might fall if the ending's as bad as Game of Thrones so we'll see right on okay so number one right oh no I gotta do my number two my number two is Parks and Recreation 
Uh, oh, nice. Now, the most... I think seasons two through six were in this decade. So for me, this is the best Michael Shore show. And uh, probably part of the reason I didn't put The Good Place on was just because I wanted to put this show on. For me, this is like better than The Office even. It's not that The Office isn't great, but The Office, you know, in the early parts is, is a spinoff of the British one and then defines itself mostly in the final season by this kind of meta-active... Um, having the camera crew be an active part of the production. Parks does something where it like decompresses all of American culture into a show in the same way like Veep did, but in a, in a, a, I, I think more palatable manner for the mass consumer. And, uh, and for me, it's like what you talked about. It's one of the shows I put on all the time passively that I can just throw on in the background. But at the same time, when I do pay attention to it, it makes me feel so good about America. And I am constantly thinking of like people like Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson when I'm thinking about like the best parts of America. So number two, Parks and Rec. Hello? Yeah, I know I'm here. Um, and my number one is Parks and Rec, so. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I feel like it took away the whole thing. I just um, uh, ditto what you just said. Yeah. Well, it was kind of a Parks and Rec, like, slash The Office, which actually didn't air uh, within, I don't think, the time parameters of this conversation. No, it did. Just just like the last three seasons. It was all the post-Michael stuff, really. So, right. Like, only that last season I would consider even, like, indie. Yeah. But I include yeah. all that, like, slash 30 Rock. Like, just like the, like, the... Thursday. The, tri the trifecta, yeah, yeah, the Thursday night NBC program. Well, and community. It was like those four, really. Oh, my like community God. Can you imagine? Was like yeah. The, yeah. And I thought community about also like community had, on my list. Yeah, I thought about that. It's just all, un it's very uneven. Like, there's some really great episodes and great seasons, but, like, then there's that fourth season where Harmon's not involved. There's the parts after, game, uh, after Glover leaves that just don't feel quite the same. It's just... It's it, Parks and Rec is the best example of yeah, this. I really think sure. Parks and Rec is like the ideal version of what it should be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And my number one, which should come as no surprise to anyone, uh, is, also it's yeah. like every number one critic's pick is Breaking Bad. Of uh, course, yeah. It nice. changed television for me. Like it just made. I mean, a Walter White's one of my favorite characters in the history of anything, and the way that. Like that, when I talk about serialized television changing, I think that was the show that really changed it and like made it so that you have a beginning point, you have an end point, you know what the end point is at the beginning, you drive towards that. It was Hitchcockian and Kubrickian yeah. at times in the cinematography. It became like it, there was less dialogue as it went on. It became this cultural icon while still maintaining its artistic quality. Like there's, to me, it's the best show ever. Like The Wire is the only thing that's even in competition and mm. it's, even a step below so hmm. yeah all right let's go to movies we gotta get we got a few more yeah we have a, a lot of categories all right let's bang it out okay what do you got all right number five movies number five uh well first honorable mentions of course uh some of these you won't heard of uh princess kaguya before midnight the favorite the square attack the block little women arrival blade runner 2049 birdman and the social network yeah those are my honorable mentions i've heard of um, my number five is uh avengers infinity war <laughs> nice <laughs> uh 
Uh, I, I mean, it's it's probably my second favorite superhero movie behind Batman Begins. It might even I, I you know it depends on how I'm feeling about Dark Knight that during the week, uh, but. It is like all, the everything I could have hoped those Marvel movies would be. Seeing it in theaters was an incredible experience with this kid next to me crying every time a superhero was taken off screen. There was like a six-year-old who was like, no, Black Panther, Spider-Man, no! <laughs> and like that may have increased my experience of it, like seeing devastation in his eyes where he didn't realize they were coming back, you know? Even though I know they've made the deals already. Um, I just feel like it's the darkest Disney movie I've probably ever seen and it, it made me so happy that they committed to all of that so it's stupid but I really loved it no that's I've never seen it but I know I need to that's awesome number five you hereditary ooh it was very scary pick. but good yeah probably the best oh, horror oh. movie I saw this this decade yeah but actually I have a tie the other one is Black Klansman I gotta admit I haven't seen it yet and oh, I so I, good I need to see it. So yeah, good. I absolutely need to see it. So I, that's a tie. I know it's cheating, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I need to see that movie. So that's going on my list. It's All right, very, my number four is uh, my number four is Toy Story three, which I think is the best Toy Story movie. Oh, One of the best Pixar never, movies. Never saw that. Have you seen the other Toy Stories? Yeah, of course. I saw one. And two. Okay, you need to see Toy Story three because it is the best one. Uh, it is. It, again, it's dark in all the right ways for children, uh, but it also feels like really redeeming in the story of like what Pixar represents and, and what those characters represented as a child, like being able to see them as an adult in a different light. Mm. Um, it, is, it is just like, it's a perfect movie for kids, for adults. Okay, I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, where are we at? Number, number four for you. Number four to me, best movies. Um, this is uh, maybe not popular, but Parasite. I think that's a hugely popular thing, and uh, I think it's a great pick. It might, I mean, honestly, yeah. it might be, it's in contention for best foreign film I've ever seen. Like, it is an incredible movie. I remember my friend, our friend Jesse, a mutual friend, yeah. Uh, walked uh, the, texted me right after he left the theater and he was like that might have been a perfect movie and uh, <laughs> oh my god the looks. ending is just insane it's, it's perfect yeah yeah alright uh, my number three is Boyhood uh, oh I Lincoln never saw Boyhood. It. yeah oh I man you right. have to see I it know, oh, I know it's so good it's long yes uh, and obviously it's a little bit tainted by the fact that I love Linklater and like everything he does so I will buy into his long uh, dialogue driven scenes of people talking about philosophy and stuff yeah. like more than others maybe um, but it's all good, it yeah. is a perfect movie in terms of like showing how somebody grows up like Lady Bird is a great kind of companion piece to it I think I know those two totally different writers directors coming from different perspectives but i feel like no, lady bird but i can is like see that yeah yeah the sure. one and a half hour one year version of what boyhood is it's like a person growing up as an intellectual and as a defining themselves over the course yeah. of years so your number three my number three is um oh this is another um cheating thing where i do a tie but it's between Sorry to bother you and blind spotting. 
Did you see either or both of those films? Sorry to bother you. I, I haven't seen... So- I, no, I haven't seen either of those. I uh, I really wanted to see them. And they both came out like at a similar time, didn't they? Exactly. Like, they I, both came out, out of Oakland in a very similar time. And they're both yeah. perfect. And I actually think... And I might be alone in this, but I kind of think that like together they're perfect. Like they they should be seen as a double feature. Mm. That's kind of how yeah. I feel. Yeah, I, I I need to see both of those. Those are both on my list. Kind of with Black Klansman, this feels like a whole like uh, oh yeah series throw, of movies. If you that throw I that, like if you throw part. Black Klansman, oh man, that's like a trifecta. That's like a film festival right there. It's perfect. Yeah, I love it. I think I'm gonna do that. Oh man. Um, yeah. All right, my number two is Parasite. I didn't oh, want to right say it at the time, but yeah, right on, yeah. Uh, it is like I like we said, it's like a perfect movie. It's my like I said, might be my favorite foreign film ever. Um, I love the use of architecture to tell the story, like the way that yeah. they use the staircases as a metaphor for the lower and upper classes, and it's it's just awesome. See it if you haven't seen it, and we're not gonna talk about the ending because I don't want to spoil it even now. Yep. Fuck yeah, great movie. Number two, right? My turn? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. And this might just be because of a vivid memory, but Jojo Rabbit is my number two. Ooh. Ooh. You love that movie. I love it. It's such, I mean, it's not, it's, not a, you know, it's not a fun movie to love. It's kind of sad. <laughs> but, man, if it's not, like, just a perfect fucking film it is great i mean i i wouldn't put it on my top five it wasn't even consideration for me um, <laughs> not fine. because i didn't like it but because it just didn't speak to me in that way uh but it's it is a it is a really unique movie i'll say that so i and i liked it a lot yeah i think it's just on my list so I, yeah i would have been remiss if i didn't include it in the top you know too all right <laughs> Uh, my number one is uh, Mad Max Fury Road, which again I think all oh, the yeah. critics picked. But like, goddamn, like I, it's one of the few movies that I saw twice in theaters. Um, the only other ones I can really think of were like Wall-E, The Matrix, and uh, two, two Towers, the Lord of the Rings one, which I saw four times right. <laughs> in yeah. middle school. But like Mad Max, I saw twice in New York City with the prices in New York City for a movie theater. Uh, because it just blew my mind how layered it was and i wanted to see it again just to understand some of the stuff that was happening in the movie like until the second time i didn't understand that mediocre was a compliment as well as like a a, like a a a sarcastic judgment at some point in the movie like there's so many layered things in that movie and it's partially because it was written over the course of like 20 years where like things that i imagine george miller wrote initially just got layered into the background as he wrote new plot onto it Mm -hmm. but it feels like there's just a world being presented there and all the practical effects and everything. I, it, It's the best blockbuster I've seen in a while. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people agree with that, actually, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's but like, again, all the... it's it's all subjective. So I, I feel yeah. like, I kind of feel like those people are copping me, but I know they're not. <laughs> I mean, like, well, they might be. I mean, maybe you were the first one to feel that, but... Yeah, I've, I've heard that a lot. Um, my number one is also kind of like a cop-out because I'm combining two movies in one. But my number one for the decade is a combo, um, Get Out, and Us. So I'm doing... Ooh, I'm, interesting. Yeah, that's my number one. I'm doing um, uh, 
Mr. Peel is his two movies are my number one. <laughs> I like that you put them as a pairing because I do feel like they each have qualities I really love, but both are like. I, I feel like if there's a perfect movie, if I combine those two in my yes, mind, yes, exactly. Uh, and and I I have I have my issues with Get Out, but I think it's still an incredible movie. It's definitely on my top fifty of the decade, probably top twenty if I'm being honest. But I'd need to reexamine it. Um, yeah, uh, it's great. Uh, and I yeah. It's just great. Yeah. All right, let's move on to games, right? Oh, yes, my favorite. So we're moving on to best games. And these are, I think we're doing video games, right? We're not doing like board games in here? I hope so, because that's, that's what I did. That was the easiest one All right. for me, yeah. So let's do your number five, unless you have some honorable mentions. No, I think I don't have any honorable mentions because I haven't really played more than five video games in the last... 10, that's 10 not years. true seriously yeah i know, know all right um i could name f- 10 games you've played yeah you're right probably <laughs> okay number five i got is a uh, watchdogs 2 it was based in san francisco it was super fun it was like you could move all the cars and you could hack literally everything and just run around fake smallified san francisco right when i moved back it was so silly but fun yeah, but this was kind of the decade of sandbox games, right? Like, yeah, so totally, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah, that's well, great. You, yeah, number five, yes. What do you got? My number five is Resident Evil Seven in VR. Uh, now it needed to be in VR for me to qualify this because the game itself is like amazing as a first-person horror game, but like it's probably like a, a nine out of ten. But in VR, it's a ten out of ten. Like it is the most immersive VR experience I've had and it was terrifying. So oh, no. I give the game a I'm full scared for a ten for you. Oh it was I Johnny will tell you I screamed aloud at one point <laughs> in our living room because I was so terrified about something that was happening. And it felt like there's a sequence where you have to keep going to the basement to fight these like black mold creatures and I was like, gotta go back to the basement. And it felt like I was there every time. It was ridiculous. So that like VR for me was finally introduced this decade and so I I wanted to include one of those at least. Yeah, I know I hear that. That sounds super scary though. I don't like that one bit. <laughs> All right, number four. All right, number four. Honestly, this one is not what I ever thought I'd say, but um, Days Gone. Days Gone. It was immensely entertaining. It's like basically a combination of. Um, Last of Us and Red Dead, but modern times and smaller, right? So like, sure, yeah. So it was like the the Oregon mountains, basically. <laughs> it's 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 kind of an incredible game, and you're this like outlaw biker guy, and you you know zombie apocalypse hits, and you got. I didn't know there was a zombie apocalypse involved. See, that's a whole other like. I just what? don't know a lot about that game. Yeah, I it's 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 actually like I think it's super underrated. Actually, it's, I might have to go back and check it out. It's so fun, honestly. Um, the Deacon, it's like the it's like all a little overwrought, right? Like the main character's name is Deacon Saint James or something absurd. Like it's a little, yeah, okay, and whatever. And it's just, but it's like Oregon. It's like Oregon biker gang. So like, since when the protagonist <laughs> anything? <laughs> but it's cool. I love it though. That's a great. That's a great theme. Uh, yeah, you're making um, me want to play this game. It's such Absolutely. a fun game. I think you'd 
I, th- I do think you'd like it. I mean, if you liked, um, it's like basically a budget Last of Us 2, like, add-on game. It's like... If I, I actually haven't played Last of Us 2, so that's one of the ones that's not going to make my okay, list. Okay, right, but you played Last but of I, Us 2. No, I get, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. So my number four, uh, and I don't think I need to pitch this game to anyone, is Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, um, yeah. That's your number four? It, damn yeah i mean for me it it's like the godfather for me like this move this to me might be the if we were doing like best video games of all time from an objective standpoint it might be that uh it is a huge game i i there's just my problem with red dead is like first of all i lose the narrative sometimes because there's so much other stuff to do and there's just so much else to do that i get like fomo about the sandbox feature in the world where i feel like there's no way I'm going to be able to do half of this stuff ever. So, like, give up yeah. on the treasure maps and stuff. Like, like whenever I... There's so much cool stuff going on. And the things you do find are amazing. And, like, the Tesla stuff we've talked about, I think, on this podcast. Um, it's an awesome game. The soundtrack is amazing. And I it won me over in the long run with the ending and stuff. I just, like... If, if I had one complaint, like, figure out a way to fast travel with those horses. Maybe a little less horseback riding. Anyway, uh, all right, what's your number three? It's a tie, unfortunately. It's between... It's actually a three-way tie. <laughs> between Uncharted 3 and 4 and Last of Us Remastered. Okay, so you're putting those all into a category because you played them at the same time. It was like the whole Naughty Dog feeling. Uh, yeah, I just think I like that. that, yeah. Like, they're all in the same category because I like, just like... Naughty Dog just does such a good job with those films, um, with those movies. Sorry, no games. games. But you're, but, yeah. you, but I get what you're saying. They're like the most movies. cinematic games ever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you honestly probably spend as much time with the cinematics as you do with the actual gameplay, and you're not even worried about. Yeah, it. and that is a complaint some people have, but I think it's also what makes those games so universally accessible. But also, like, if you play them on hard difficulty, they can still be difficult games to play. Like, there is a lot of great mechanics in those. Absolutely. And I think that there's probably a misnomer where you assume that games with a strong narrative are easier to play necessarily. All right. Well, my number three is uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is a game I haven't finished, to be fair. So this is a recency bias. But it's also the best sandbox game I've ever played. Like, it takes those issues I have with Red Dead and makes them non-existent. Like, you can teleport almost anywhere on the map once you gain, like, these save points, basically, at different places. So, like, you don't have... You can horseback ride, but you don't have to. From the beginning of the game, you can, like, pick up anything, turn it into stuff, climb. Like, from the get-go, the game is just... Like, you're as leveled up as you can be. Go for it. (laughs) Um... It's, it's an insane experience, and it like Red Dead, I feel like I'm going to feel a lot of FOMO at the end because there's hundreds of hours of content I'll never be able to access. Right. But it's also like a more playful world. My, my, my real problem with Red Dead at the end of the day was that I love the moralism that they added into the thing after like Grand Theft Auto, but <laughs> I feel like it also complicated things yeah. because... Like, I didn't know how to behave sometimes. And in Zelda, it's, like, all for fun. It's not... There's no stakes of, like, do I have to worry about this person being a prostitute now? Like, <laughs> that never comes up. <laughs> oh, that doesn't come up in Zelda? There's no prostitutes? Yeah. 
Good. Well, I'm, I'm, I, there might be, but uh, I mean, they're they're not. They're, they wouldn't be, be chill. Maybe yeah. They'd be they'd be, yeah. they'd be they'd be they'd be friends. Yeah. Okay. My number two is Last of Us Two. Oh, Last of Us Two. Nice. Yeah. I, and I haven't played that game yet, but it, same thing with the Uncharted stuff, where uh, and the Last of Us One, where it's just like it is the cinematic zenith of what video games can be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that game so hard. And and speaking of which, my number two is Uncharted Four. Uh. For the same reason, because I feel like it's the height of what they were able to do graphically, story-wise, it's incredible. All the voice acting's great, and then there are some game mechanic stuff, like that final sword fight thing. I feel like that could be a game on its own. Like there's so much cool Which stuff happening in that game. Uh, Uncharted Four, it ends with that pirate sword fight. Oh yeah, with the guy yeah, on the that's boat. That's the best. That whole that whole game. Yeah. That's the best game. It's peak. Yeah. All right, number one. Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, number one. Red Dead Redemption 2. That's my number one. I had a feeling it was going to be that. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I wasn't yeah. sure. I just, I mean, I have to. Like, if we're talking about most seminal games for me in the decade, that's it. I, I don't know. I've now spent it a lot of It feels like time. you were there. It's like a place that you, that you visited and you loved and, like, you, that's kind of how I felt about Libertalia in some ways is that, like, I feel like I... I was there, but in Red Dead, it's like even more so. Like that's a life you lived, <laughs> in a way, yeah. In it, and it's unique to you. It's not something anyone else experienced. I can guarantee that. Yeah, and I love that whole thing at the end where you can kind of choose how he dies, right? <laughs> it's like on the rock, like sad, or like in an explosion maybe or in a gunfight or something like yeah i i decided to live my life almost entirely honorable which i think made things very uptight for me playing the game because every time i like killed a horse by accident or something like that like and my honor would take a hit i would feel so bad about it like i had actually done something terrible in real life even though they're just graphics and i feel like if i could let go a little bit maybe it would have been better but uh it is it is an amazing game no question do you know what my number one is, Hunter? Man, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> oh, man. Was there even a good Sonic game? I think Sonic CD came out this decade. That one was pretty good. But no. No, number one is, of course, God of War. Uh, oh, The best God, game no. I've played in my adulthood. Uh, it. I mean, for me, it's the perfect combination of the cinematics of the Uncharted, uh, Last of Us, Naughty Dog stuff, and the freedom of like a sandbox kind of red dead game where you have all this mythology you can explore and all these other worlds you can go to but like there's also a concrete story driving you forward and uh i i i also love the original god of war games but this one just took a step up for me it's the best gaming experience i had in, as an adult and uh i've talked about enough on this podcast so let's move on man that was a really good game though are you eating? Yeah, if I'm in a salad. Sorry. I'm going to have to edit that out now, too. Sorry for all the eating noises, folks. We got some good ASMR recorded on the <laughs> side. No, that's what I was thinking, actually. Yeah. <laughs> ASMR for everyone. Um, yeah, all right. No. All right. We got two more categories left before we wrap this thing up. So let's get into them. Uh, the next one is best albums. Now, I got a lot of honorable mentions here, so I'm just going to rattle off some names that I didn't include. Uh, that all were close to making the list, but yeah. 
num- uh, RTJ2, both Fiona Apple albums. The new Phoebe Bridgers. Yes, is that good? Carrie and Lowell, A Moonshape Pull. We got it from here. Good Kid, Mad City, Golden Gray, Prequel, Joy is an Act of Resistance, 21, both Frank Ocean albums, The Suburbs, Body Talk, Black Messiah, Acid Rap, and Royalty. I'm sure I missed a bunch. Uh, clearly, music was a very hard one for me. Those are the ones you didn't choose? Uh, Those are the ones I didn't choose. So my number five is Run the Jewels, RTJ4. Uh, this might be a recency bias thing. It is my favorite album of the last year, so... That's part of it. But I also think it's the best Run the Jewels album. And it is an album that is going to mean so much to me for the future for a few reasons. Because I think of all the albums I listened to this year, it helped me cope the most with the end of the Trump administration. Yeah, It gave me so much confidence when I was watching the Georgia results come in, listening to Killer Mike talk about his experience in Atlanta, Georgia. And I feel like as somebody who, you know, is now in Atlanta all the time, this was the first run the jewels album i listened to being from new york to atlanta so i feel like yankee and the brave as a symbol for me means a lot so, so that's actually oh, what's my, your number five that's my honorable oh. mention actually is what i was gonna say but oh rtj4 yeah my number five is is the tie between um john prine tree of forgiveness and arcade fire everything now whoa Every, not the suburbs well, actually, Josh, if you must know, it does say everything now slash the suburbs, but I didn't want you to get mad at me, so yes. I mean, I kind of think, I always, like, I think that Arcade Fire, if the Red Hot Chili Peppers were my teens, then the Arcade Fires were my 20s, and then, like, probably, like, fucking John Bryan's my 30s or something. Well, I, I wanted to say, that was the other thing, I have never heard that album, so I'm going to have to listen to that after this, because that is something I will do right away. I don't, know, I don't know a lot of John Prine in general, but I don't know that album at all. Well, that was his last album before he died, but it's good, but it's not I'll like, you know, it. yeah. it's the, maybe not as bad. So it's not like his hits, but it's there's some really good songs. I got the vinyl. It's good. It's really good. You'll come over. Right, we'll my, jam out. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, my number four, and I'm going to censor this, and then I'm going to say what my alternative number four is. Cool. Um, yeah. My number four was originally... Now, people might know what I'm talking about just because of that. Um, but I, I don't think it's right to give the band more recognition at this point right now. I am still trying to reckon with my own feelings about it. I think it was good to bring up because I feel like the Me Too stuff is a big part of this decade in my mind and the way that I'll remember this decade. Um, and I feel like it's important for me to reckon that with that with a band that i love and and we're reckoning with the music in general like whether it's michael jackson we haven't gotten to ones for like david bowie and jimmy page yet but i'm sure things like that are coming down the down the pipeline eventually and i feel like you know we're at this moment where we have to reckon with the history of like what rock and specifically groupie culture and and kind of the like the uh sanctifying of celebrities or something or like how we get them out of the normal justice system that everyone else has to participate in it may have begun with people like epstein and harvey weinstein and bill cosby and stuff but it's proliferating out and and i just thought it was important to like bring up that uh one of my favorite albums of the decade is very tainted by that thing and i still don't know how i feel about it even though it's only one member of the band who was involved in a scandal so i will not 
be doing that. And as a result, my alternative pick is Beyonce's Lemonade. And (laughs) this is an alternative pick because I feel like I didn't give this album enough credit when it came out. Uh, Over the last couple years, it's really grown on me. I think it's an amazing album, and I have a feeling that a decade from now, it probably really will be my number four. Um, But right now, it's like kind of still in the stage where like, I love it, but I don't have any memories attached to it. Uh, So I need that for it to become something that's part of my life. Um, All right, where were we? Oh, yeah. Uh, So we were at your number four in Best Albums. Well, this is where it gets to be really personal. Um, number four, I have this album called Middle Brother by the band Middle Brother, which really just what is that? came together. <laughs> What's that? What? What is that? I said, what is that? <laughs> All right. So um, it was a group of three dudes mainly. It was um, John McCauley, the lead singer from Deer Chick, and um, the lead singer is also from... Um, Delta Spirit, as well as um, Dawes. And they all came together and made an incredible album together. Kind of like a alternative folk rock, like, dude's record, you know? It's really good. Really good. That's a really bad way to summarize it. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it sounds great as, as, as far as I know those entities. Um, I feel like you brought this up one time, but I've, I've, I didn't know you were so into it to make it on the top five. So oh, I'm going to yeah. check that it's out, one, too. One of my favorite albums. Yeah. What about you? What do you got? All right. Well, my number – I'm now on number three. Uh, yeah. So yeah. my number three is This Is Happening by LCD Sound System. Oh, the, hell yes. Wait. Fuck me. I didn't put LCD Sound System. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's the one. It's that one, and then they have that new one. But This Is Happening is like – I, yeah. I, it's like the, I mean, it's the record that like made me realize LCD Sound System was more than just like a, a good kind of Talking Heads esque band. Like they were their own thing, and they are incredible. And like, uh, da- Dance Yourself Clean is like one of my favorite songs ever. So yeah, that's one of that's one of my favorite songs of all time. So. Fuck yeah! <laughs> all no. right, you're number three. No, Josh, thank you so much. That's amazing, and definitely. That's my that's my other number, uh, number four. Um, uh, number three is um, Run the Jewels, RTJ RTJ two. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard it's hard between the two and RTJ two. Honestly, for me, is most associated with you, and I know that's crazy. Um, but I and, and this podcast, like the thing I think about most when I listen to RTJ two is blasting those first few songs on the way to driving you to your wedding. <laughs> I so we were appreciate like, that, yeah. We were in a van, I think. It was some car that I had rented because I needed to take a bunch of people. No, around. it wasn't the van, but yeah, it was the car. Yeah. And it, But it was a bigger car, I just remember. And I remember us having to go faster on those back roads at Inverness than we probably should have because we were worried about you being late. And you just like turning up the music as loud as it would go, lowering all the windows. <laughs> And you were so pumped. And it was like, it, it was just, it was great to see you before your wedding being so excited <laughs> for this moment. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I felt that way. I actually did feel the way. I did not feel scared. I felt so pumped. I was so excited. Uh, now it's your number two. My number two is uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. 
Um, oh, it's that's kind of amazing album. because every album that Kanye put out this decade, I would argue, is worse than the last. So he started with his best, and then it all kind of went downhill from there. Um, but yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> But that uh, that album is still like, especially if you include the Good Fridays, it might be the best of the decade for me because like that whole period of Kanye was, he was just on another level both as a producer and a rapper, and I I, I still listen to that with extremely fond memories. Every song in there is great and it's awesome. Yeah, I feel like Kanye's whole like most recent, at least if you minus the last most recent albums, maybe, but like even those. There's a couple gems on the, on the most late stuff, but like, Kanye is a fucking awesome dude. He's, it's so good. It's so good, man. Yeah, it's so disappointing what has happened to him as a person. I mean, yeah, not even like, like, I'm not like dissing on him. I just mean like, I wish, I hope he figures out whatever's going on in himself psychologically within the next decade because we could oh, use more man. music at some point. Yeah, but like you never, you ever go listen to like All Falls Down again? Oh my god! Oh yeah, of course. I mean, the that first album for me, like my Dark Twisted Fantasy was the first moment he got past that first album because that was yeah, also amazing great. for me. Yeah. All right, you're number two. Number two. So you know what? I think this is true. Um, Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City. Ooh, interesting. I thought that was gonna be your number one for sure. So I'm I'm now really curious what number one is. But talk about it. I mean, I think like you could probably populate the entire best of list with Kendrick Lamar stuff, honestly. <laughs> well, He's I mean that he, good. he yeah. yeah, he had four incredible albums, arguably five if you count untitled within the last yeah, ex- literally, you, you could just like have a thing that you just rank there them, and that would probably be the best music of the decade, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I didn't do that, but I I could have because I fucking love Kendrick Lamar. But at the same time, that album is the one album that like uh, wrecked me so hard and so it's so good. Like it's per it's a damn near perfect album. It's a perfect album, probably. It, it's, it's incredible. Story. It, yeah. I honestly go back and forth a bit between that one and Pimp Butterfly to see like which one's better. I mean, he is the artist of the decade for me. When I think about like the two thousand tens, like in our all mediums, I still like Kendrick for me is the the my main takeaway. I think he's yeah, he is the artist of the decade for like the for society, the one we need. You'll see why he's not my number one, but it's, that's uh, it's selfish. Um, but anyhow, yeah, um, he's so good and yeah i don't know everything that needs to be said has been said yeah and and on that note my number one is to pimple butterfly uh which like yeah for me i it was the only way he could have outdone good kid mad city was like that album i it it is it is the perfect rap album to me and yeah i realize it really speaks to me because it's kind of like a rap rock opera kind of if you want to take it that way and that like he acts out the parts especially on like you and uh and i to be fair i am taking the album with the original eye like as an addition to it so like you yeah. have the original version and then the different version but yep 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 it's yep. just like what a piece of art and i and i do like i said i do sometimes struggle between those two damn is also very good for the record but for me those first two are just like mind blowing so yep 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 all right uh, yeah. Okay. Can I guess? Is it uh, Nathan? 
Oh no, it, it's like yeah. kind of cheating. It's just like, um, so Drive-By Truckers have this album called It's Great to Be Alive. It's a, it's a live album. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> That is stupid. really, it, you picked like a best of compilation of a band you love. Yeah, it was a no. It was a one concert. It's a, it is a, it is a it's a it's a record. I, I know yeah. it's a I know it's a it's a concert, but I'm saying they're they're not playing like from one album. They're playing from a bunch no. of albums theoretically. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just love. I love that. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they, 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 they 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 released a bunch of stuff this uh, this decade, but it's not really my favorite. But they played all my favorite shit on that, and I just, you know. <laughs> This, it might not be from this decade, but it's from it's from them. So yeah, um, it's like the one band of this decade that like I just fucking I don't even know, man. I just love so hard with more. I love with more of my heart than I've ever loved a band before. Generally yeah, speaking, I mean, yeah. if I could rank the OK Computer re-release on here, that might rank in my top five. But I just <laughs> that doesn't count in my mind. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But this is a little different, but yeah, okay. Yeah, right, no, what do you it, got for it us? is, for sure. Uh, I love it. All right, we're on to our final category, which is best concerts. Now, I want to say before yeah. I start on this list, uh, concerts are a huge part of my life. They have been since I was in middle school and then in high school when my friend and I decided to go to Warp Tour every summer and then go to like a bunch of other shows on top of that. Um, we go to Warp Tour three or four times every summer, to be clear. We didn't go to one show. Uh, and uh, and then like Bonnaroo, etc. So I feel like uh, concerts have been a big part of my life, and more importantly, they've been a big part of our life because both of us were at Bonnaroo 2006. We met up at Bonnaroo 2007. We've gone to a lot of concerts since then, and in fact, you are at my uh, two of the concerts on my top five list. So, all right, so we're gonna start with uh, with uh, your number five this time. All right. Well, it's not that exciting, essentially, because it builds off the previous thing. But drive-by truckers <laughs> at the Fillmore. It was a great show. Fillmore, sure San Francisco, so awesome. They're incredible. You know what? I they they have what you call the three axe attack. So they they have three lead guitarists, and they just like bam, bam, bam. So fucking awesome. It's great. Put on the best show ever always that's awesome i don't know that i've ever seen them live so they're gonna have to see them in this yeah. next decade hopefully oh, yeah. they'll play some stuff from the decade before i would hope so yeah um my number five is uh lo cool j at the meadows um, oh dang is, when was that crazy i know uh it was actually for my 30th birthday we went to meadows festival i was there to see gorillas and tv on the radio lo cool j was just kind of like I got, you know, what is LL Cool J going to perform again? I got to go, like, check out what he's doing, right? It wasn't, like, something I was I was just going to stay for a little bit. But then it became, like, the hip-hop showcase hour where he brought out DMC from Run DMC and they did Run DMC songs. And then, yeah. and you'll remember this, I sent you a video of this, he brought out Tribe Called Quest after Tribe Called Quest has already said they would never perform again. And after they had skipped outside, after lands. they didn't go to outside lands, yeah, which I they was only did two to songs to. to be fair. But then, and then he brought out Melly Mel and Scorpio from the Furious Five, and they did Furious Five songs. So it felt like a history. Of, it was like I was watching an MTV history of hip hop special, but I was there for it. It was like the best. It was like everything I loved about hip hop growing up in a concert, and I didn't 
I just didn't expect it to happen. And maybe that was part of it, but it was just like getting to see Tribe Called Quest when I thought I would, I'd miss that opportunity and getting to see DMC. I always wanted to see Run DMC. Um, getting to see like them in this context was just such a cool thing and it felt like such a party and it was like it, it, like I said it was just such an unexpected joy I mean that is what an opportunity right like that's incredible and literally once in a lifetime so I'm glad you got to experience that that's great yeah alright number four alright number four is this little band called AJJ I love them so much you speak called Andrew Jackson Jihad yep. shorten their name I was just right about to say it yeah, and um, I saw them at Slim's in San Francisco, which I think is actually shut down, which is really shitty. Um, super small club, super fun, and just like I got right up, right up next to the stage. It was right, it was in maybe like 2019 or something, 2018, and just, just regular old club, incredible band, just fun, normal dimes, you know. To me, that's yeah. like what I hope to get back to. It doesn't really, it's maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm over over you know glorifying it in my mind, but it's kind of just like what a going out used to be like. Yeah, it's like going out on the week. It's not even like it's it's yeah. special because it's it's your local place. It's not special because it's like you're going to a giant festival. Like it's 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 your place. Great, it was a great show. All right, my number four is a very different kind of thing. It was a Bruce Springsteen on the River Tour, and uh, wow. it was at Meadowlands, which is like Bruce's home, um, which is a big part yeah. of it. It is my first time ever seeing Bruce Springsteen, and I should clarify this by saying that like he is my dad's favorite artist of all time. And growing up, I didn't get it, and I honestly <laughs> don't think I got it until I went to that concert. And like I, there were. Through my 20s, and when I was younger, I used to think it was like the silliest, corniest music. Uh, I didn't think Bruce could sing. I had a lot of issues with it. In my 20s, I went to see uh, Southside Johnny, who is like Bruce's opener for years at the Stone Pony in New Jersey. And I like kind of got the feel of like that big band rock music that he does. Um, yeah. So it like allowed me to access some of his songs when I would listen to them at home. But then when I saw him live... It was just like another thing. And I should clarify, this concert was like, at the t they recorded it. I don't think this is true, but they recorded it as his longest concert of all time. It's a, It was a four-hour show. Uh, he just did a but He was supposed to do River, but it just ended up becoming like a best of Bruce Springsteen. He started out with New York City Serenade, which is not from the river, and just like completely departed from the set list right away. Um, and just like played everything everyone would hope he would play. And I was with a bunch of big Bruce Springsteen heads. And it felt like I was like, it, it was the most patriotic I've ever felt. I, I realized at the moment, like Bruce Springsteen writes country music for like the tri-state area. And as yeah. somebody who grew up in Pennsylvania, like I get it now. And so like, it was that moment where I got what he was doing and it just- it, You got Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was incredible. He, he lived up to the hype. So. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think that he is, you know, He's the not the not the star we deserve, but the star we need. Music we need. Yeah. All right. Number two. Number three. Well, for me, it's shovels and rope at um the at Fillmore. It's so good, so good. That's um, two at the Fillmore. Is there another one? No, the rest are a little different, but um, 
yeah, just in the Fillmore, it's like you, it's so, you get so close, it's so reasonably priced, and you see bands that you really love, but you're like maybe, you know, 30 feet away. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, well, my number three my is uh, Radiohead's uh, Philadelphia concert at the Welsh nice. Fargo Center, which was at the towards the end of the Moonshape Pool tour. Um, it was the, you know, first of all, the set list was incredible because they played stuff that I'd never heard that I'd been waiting to hear for the last decade, um, right. which included yeah. uh, talk show host and all I need. And it was also great because I had two of my best friends, two of my groomsmen, Steve and Zach there, who had never been to a Radiohead concert before. And yeah. for Steve, at least, he like didn't get them in the same way I didn't get Bruce Springsteen. And I should say he was at the Bruce concert too. He loves Bruce Springsteen. He introduced me to that. And I feel like in the same way, he got Radiohead at that show. And so being able to see that recognition where like there's a moment in the show where he's like, this is good. Uh, that like, <laughs> it just meant so much to me. It was like validation. I was like, yeah, it is, right? Um, and, and now being able to talk to him about that stuff is really cool. Number two. Awesome. Yeah. So I guess maybe I'll go to Outside Lands with you and like all the myriad of concerts that were there and like you know just that whole experience i don't want to have to choose one no that was that was the best festival experience i've had since bonnaroo 2006 like it was i i amazing and in fact my number two is lcd sound system at outside lands um all right (laughs) because both because I mean the festival itself was incredible like what a lineup you got Sufjan you've got Radiohead you've got LCD Sound System you've got Duran Duran the Muppets you know like it was a crazy lineup that was really particularly crazy uh, actually um, but I like, forgot about Duran Duran the, the, uh, the big thing for me is like first of all you're living near the park so we can walk there and then mm-hmm my friends were there like besides you gabe was there sean was there jen was there john a was there yeah like that moment when all my friends dropped in the uh lcd sound systems concert and then i look around and you know where are your friends tonight and they're i'm surrounded by the people (laughs) who are closest to me and also these are the people who i listened to the song uh, with in college like i don't think i'll ever experience anything like that again uh, it just felt so yeah. alive. I think that's the best one for me. That's number one. So, yeah. so that's your number one? It's just the we're going to isolate the LCD from that? Yeah, actually, I, 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 that wasn't what I wrote, but yeah, I want the what? LCD at the... Yeah. What was your original number one? Well, Johnny Fritz at the Kauai Folk Festival. For, you got to put that in there. You got to put that in there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it is Johnny Fritz is like the I knew he was gonna make the top five at some point. Yeah, well, he 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 said it is, he dedicated a song for my birthday because Sarah helped. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's cute. no more customizable song like experience than that. That's like the boutique well, concert to the extreme in the best way. Though I'm pretty sure that you know um, LCD Sound System. He, they they did a boutique song for me too, right? We just forgot yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah, they actually wrote a song for you. It's called Hunter's Dream, but yeah, I don't think yeah, all... it's not it's not really published. Yeah, it's kind of it's on the back 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 catalog. 
All right, well, my number one is also Outside Lands, and it is Radiohead at Outside Lands. Um, Fuck yeah. I mean, it, if they had played a second encore, this might be my favorite concert I've ever been to. Um, it, it was just like pure bliss for me. And coming off of Sufjan Stevens as a kind of opener. Um, right, right, I right. Mean, it just yeah. like, they played everything I wanted to hear. And, uh, and like I said, the only way it could have been better is if it had been longer. I like I they're for me they are the best live band I've ever seen and that continues into this next decade. And we'll see what happens uh in the 2020s. Well, that's it for the decade and that's it from Henry and Hops. Uh do you have anything final words or uh thoughts on on this whole thing, this grand experiment? Oh, man, I feel like I probably do, but off the top of my head, you know what? All I can think about is that it's been a hell of a decade, and I um, I feel like a much different person. But I really have always appreciated these, uh, you know, whatever <laughs> bi-yearly, bi-monthly check-ins that we record or don't record as as a really awesome way to keep in touch and maybe let whoever the hell wants to pay attention um a little insight into our lives you know absolutely yeah and i think it's been like a good venting medium for some of my thoughts politically at times and and yeah also just a way to like express myself about things that like no one ever asked me about like no one cares what my top five games are really uh aside from like my close (laughs) friends but i want to tell people i want to talk about them so let's talk about them uh, and I really appreciate like like all the back and forth we've had throughout the years and how much I do feel like we've gained and challenged each other and intellectually, not just in this podcast, but like in life. And, and I feel like we've grown as people, whether or not that's growth that anyone cares about. That's another story. But um, <laughs> no, I do feel like I if think you go back super, and listen to yeah. episode one, we're very different people than we were there. And I, like, I don't even want to do that, yeah. And, and I also would say, like, uh, overall, my one big thing that I don't think we focus on enough in this podcast overall, but, like, my hope for the next decade is that somehow Henry George's policies actually get involved in actual politics. And I know that's a crazy idea, yeah. but, like, if there's one thing I want to leave this podcast with, and I know we didn't talk about him every podcast, and I know... We really started on him and then kind of moved on to other areas. But I feel like Henry George has always been there kind of as like our foundation of like our our utopian society would be run off of this system. Uh, and so I just feel like can we incorporate some sort of resource tax or something? Is that is that a possibility? Uh, and, and if you don't know, I'd, sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I just think that, like, the bare minimum is that we all talk about Henry George more. Yeah. And if that's in, in the, you know, the nebulous sense, then th- that's okay. But more, more uh, ho- hopefully, it's like, yeah, to your point, how you can incorporate um, taxing the bads of society to benefit the most people of society, right? You can basically think about it like that. But... Um, also, just generally, like, as I think Texas is the perfect example, right, where you have this, they, they overly relied on a privatized um, power grid, and we can we can maybe save this for the next podcast. 
the, the spin off. Yeah, right. our next our next variation podcast where we bring in more people. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, um, Henry George is everywhere. I guess I can I can sum it like that. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I and I think if you you know if if you haven't learned anything about Henry George from this podcast, which I'm not blaming you. I think we talked a lot more about beer than Henry George but, <laughs> as the years went on. Yeah. But fair. I would say like please take some time and like read some of his writings or um, educate yourself about his policies because I would love to see him become an important cultural figure in the next hundred years. And I, I know he's an old white man, so we pr- he's not like going to be that cool and he, he shouldn't be. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying his policies should be more important than anyone else's, but I do think he's worth highlighting in the history of things we talk about, especially when we talk about capitalism and politics. So check out Henry George and always check out Killer Mike at the, by our modern token because like if there's oh, one yeah, person always. we did talk about a lot, it's Killer Mike. And uh, whatever he says, go with that. I kind of feel that way, yeah. Well, it's been real, Josh. Yeah, it's been good. And I hope you all out there are satisfied. Henry and Hops. Out. We out. (laughs) Henry and Ops. 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 It's not safe, dog. Buy a better beer. Don't try to be a better human being.